Hey, everybody, Michael Rosso, Film Photography Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about movie making on film. And the first bit we're going to see is a film shot by Joseph Brunges on his Keystone A9 Criterion 16 millimeter camera using FPP Sonic 25 ISO black and white negative. So before we start the podcast, let's take a look at the reel that Joseph shot, which I called, by the way, Joseph shot it and I edited it and did the sound design. For folks listening who don't have the visuals, you could go over to YouTube, Film Photography Podcast on YouTube and look up the Keystone A9 Criterion camera to see this reel. Or because I did a sound mix, it's called Brunge's Barnyard. You could just close your eyes and just imagine what the pictures look like. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. So here we go. Let's roll it. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Owen McCafferty, fellow FPP, blogger, film shooter, movie film shooter, and large format film shooter Joseph Brunges turned filmmaker. Hey, we're back. My name is Michael Rosso, and I'm joined today by fellow film shooter and movie film 
super enthusiast Owen McCafferty. Hi, Owen. Hello. What's happening? And uh, no stranger to the FPP, large format, wet plate shooter, Joseph Brunges, who I now call the cinematographer Joseph Brunges because Joseph Joby has been uh, shooting movie film and we just saw a reel, uh, a reel that Joseph shot with his uh, Keystone A9 Criterion 16 millimeter camera on FPP Sonic 25 negative film. Um, I called it, it's a bit of a collaboration, Joby, because Joby shot it specifically as a test for the FPP, sent it to the FPP, and then I got my hands on it. And I cut it up a little bit, but not too much. And of course, did one of my famous bombastic sound mixes. That's right. That's right. Was I have to awesome. say that the 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 part where they're like the the kids are singing, like I don't know what they're singing, "Farmer in the in the Dell" or yeah. something. It's very like Children of the Corn. And it's very creepy. I did, a, I, did, I didn't like the singing. And for folks watching or listening, um, the BBC Sound Library went online a few years ago. So if you Google search BBC Sound Library, there is a library. <laughs> there is a library of, <laughs> of sound. An archive. An archive. That you can use for non-commercial reasons. Uh, almost all of the sound effects came from uh, the Brunges Barnyard video, including that song of children singing. So I especially like the uh, horse clip clopping for the goat sound. That was yeah. <laughs> you're the second person to say that, and thank you. I mean, thank you for yeah. you know. And the smooch, the smooch was really good too. The horse smooching was well. I, I when I'm editing, uh, I I really do. Um, I'll take a reel of film and I I'll I'll, I'll challenge myself. And some folks agree with this method, some don't. John Fideli does not. That's him and I notoriously fight in the edit room, but that's why we don't edit together anymore. I say, okay, I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to edit this reel, and I'm going to be done by 10 p.m. So the challenge is, short period of time, get it done. So, you know, I listen to the clip-clop cop sounds, and I'm like, mm, it says horse. <laughs> Is anyone really going to know? So, Joby, uh, as a, a large format film shooter and a still photographer, a fine art still photographer, what caught your fancy? How did you make the transition into shooting uh, movies on film? Well, I have to actually thank you for that because I came to visit last March for um, the little FPP meetup and you had your A12 Criterion Keystone 60 millimeter camera that you were shooting outside. And I just thought that was the neatest thing. I'd never, I'd seen them, you know, just in my memory from a long time ago, but I never, never really caught me as in being interesting. I had considered Super 8 a long time ago and I just didn't like Ooh. the results I saw. I, I just didn't think they were the, the cost of trying to and the the difficulty of trying to find a working camera on eBay was also kind of you know cramping my interest on it. But then I saw you with this um, this cucumber camera, you know, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. It had that sound 
you know, I think there's something really sexy about the sound that it makes. And so I just went after that, um, after that visit, I went on eBay and started looking and I found uh, an A12 and for a decent price. And so I bought it. And of course, when I got it here, um, I open it up and I go, uh Oh, there's something wrong. So I immediately, you know, I'm like emailing Mike and I go, Mike, um, is this single perf or double perf? And it turned out that it was because it was the non criterion edition. It's actually a double perf camera. And I went, Oh no, can you still get film for this? And of course, Mike's like, <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. I shot a couple rolls of that and really, really enjoyed it. But of course I was like, I got to get a single perf. So I ended up looking for, you know, an A12 that was Criterion, but um, I stumbled upon an A9 and an A9 is basically the A12 without the turret. And okay. so, so if you can stand to have um, a one, one lens on your camera, the A9 is a, is a cheaper option. The only thing is that it doesn't have frame lines for wide angle. It has oh. normal and uh, telephoto, but it does not have frame lines for wide angle. They're, they're virtually the same camera. Um, they almost have the same instructions. I've got them both here. You can see, you know, one's got the turret and one does not. When you say turret, it means you could actually turn the, you could put two lenses on it. Yes. Um, this one just has a blank spot. Another lens could go here, but you, when you switch lenses, you can change and it changes right. the viewfinder so that you can have a wide angle up, up the telephoto. Right. Which is kind of nice. And I, I think, I mean, I know with a lot of the Kodak, uh, 16 millimeter cameras, you can easily modify the double perf cameras to be single perf. Yeah. I don't know if that's true for the Keystones, but I know it's true for the Kodaks. This is what I hear. This is what I hear. Is this true? Owen? Yes. Like, how, and, and when you say modify, uh, I am, I'm only thinking of myself as a filmmaker that I don't well, I can't speak to other cameras, but like the Kodak Model B and the Kodak Model K, which are pretty inexpensive cameras that you can find on eBay. Those, any, anybody with like a pair of needle nose pliers and a, a file, a, a metal file can do that modification in under 10 minutes. It's, right. it's stupid easy. And, folks, uh, and then you can run double perf and single perf film in your right. camera. And folks, right now we're talking about 16 millimeter movie making. And you're just grinding down that second, the second sprockets or? Exactly. And if the camera has a, sometimes like the Kodaks have a double claw. So then you literally just take your needle nose pliers and snip off the one claw and that's it. And the camera hmm. works perfectly fine. Right. You know, obviously to a collector, that's probably not, you know, the most ideal thing. But uh, if you're buying these to shoot, then, you know, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Joby, um, when you started buying uh, 16 millimeter cameras, because now you have a few, was uh, expense uh, something you were concerned about? Well, that, yeah, that was the thing. The cost of, you know, the film itself and processing is a little cost prohibitive, but what I found was that um, just like shooting film over digital is that I didn't go out and shoot 300 feet, you know, in five minutes. So I wanted to, it causes you to um, take time, frame something up, shoot only what you think is important. So it, the cost kind of balances out. I mean, the cameras themselves are really not very expensive. I mean, I haven't paid over a hundred dollars for anything. 
Okay, that's, um, what, that's what I wanted to hear. Like what? The, what I think, people, I think, have uh, something in their mind, thinking that uh, sh shooting sixteen millimeter is prohibitively prohibitively expensive. The the gear certainly isn't. I mean, I paid thirty dollars for this. Right. Um, I paid. Uh, I think about sixty or seventy dollars for my A twelve, but it had two lenses on it, so and, I kind of bought it for the lenses. And you bought all of these on eBay? I did. Well, uh, the, the most my most recent acquisition, the one I've just been playing with a lot lately, is the Filmo seventy five. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's a oh, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. So thin. Look how yes. thin it is. Oh, I know. It's crazy thin compared to the Keystone. I mean, look at that. It's the Virginia Slims of 16-millimeter photography. Look well, at it's that. Funny, it's funny you mentioned that because it was marketed towards women because it's only three and a half pounds. It's, it'll, right. fit in your, it'll fit in your pocket. <laughs> it's three and a half pounds, and you can operate it with one hand because you can get your hand all the way around it, which is nice because you can actually hold it up. And what's nice about that for me is that this lens, it came with... I think four different types of lenses. This is probably the cheapest of the lenses you could have on it. So it's maximum aperture is only 3.5. Uh, and it's, and it's smallest is only 16. So trying to shoot something, you know, modern films in it, it's a little more difficult, but w if I do this, I can hold up a neutral density filter in front of it with the other mm -hmm. hand and still be able to shoot outside with a relatively fast film. Just kind of nice, right? Oh, always and, recommend writing on your on your cameras what you've got in there. I think that it's very important uh, the fact that you have like a little piece of tape, a cheat sheet on it, as I call, because frequently, almost always, uh, when I shoot, I put a little piece of tape. Uh, I mean, if you're not familiar with the shutter speed of your camera, write it on there. That's what I do on the bottom, like oh, you know, one thirtieth of a second. Oh, one. 58th of a second, whatever it might be, um, which uh, Joby and I were talking uh, yesterday on the telephone uh, about shutter speeds, which, you know, I mean, oh, and there's so many new, of all the emails I field all week long here at the Film Photography Project, 90%, not maybe higher, are people brand new to movie making on film. Brand new. That means they know nothing. And quite frankly, I'm thrilled and surprised that they're picking it up so fast. Like it's, you know, they're doing a good job considering they know nothing, which is, uh, Joe, we discussed the fact that if you change the frame rate of shooting 16 frames per second or 24 frames per second, that alters your shutter speed. Right. Yeah. And that, of course, will alter your meter reading mm -hmm. so in a light meter you dial in your shutter speed and the iso of your film and that will give you the f-stop and that's a good question joby what do you what how did you meter or determine your f-stop when shooting oh uh, well, i use just a little handheld meter a little flashmate you know staccano oh. and that's it's nice and small fits in my pocket and i can just whip it out and do an incident real quick and then kind of go from there um Yes, I didn't actually realize that at first that because I remember I was shooting outside it's with 16 frames per second didn't realize oh if I need more speed I can just go up to 24 mm -hmm. and cut it down cut the light down with that I, I had no idea and um, Keystone has really odd frame you know uh, shutter speeds like 10, 16 frames per second is 136th of a second 24 is 154th I mean 
<laughs> right. Yeah. But I, you know, obviously my little light meter can't do that, but I just one fiftieth, one thirtieth. You're good You'll to be go. Fine. Yeah. It, it, it takes a real while to, to f- figure this out. And, and a lot of this uh, applies to 16 millimeter filmmaking making and to some extent uh, regular eight or double eight filmmaking because the cameras are very similar in a sense. Uh, John Fideli called me last year notoriously always John will be on some beautiful vacation on some gorgeous beach and he'll just call. He's like I'm on the beach and I I just you know like there was just too much light. Too much. So he's like I'm going to shoot this at 24 frames per second because that'll give him an extra stop. Mm-hmm. You know, so faster the the film goes through the camera gate, the less light. I mean, it's all math, right, Joby? Right. Oh yeah. And I did a little high speed. It's it was at sixty four frames per second. Right. And I didn't Ooh, compensate. That'll eat your that. film. I didn't compensate for that at all. But it the 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 leeway of the film, you know, the the ability of the film to have, to be overexposed and underexposed saved that little clip that I made out of it. So. My daughter uh, was with some of her friends at a pool, and they were all jumping in the pool at the same time. So I put oh. it at 64 and let them drift in, which right. is kind of cool. Uh, folks listening and watching, uh, Owen and I talk about it constantly, which is movie making shouldn't be so expensive. And, you know, uh, Kodak and their Super 8 cartridges, uh, especially the new Kodak Super 8 Ektachrome, Oh, so expensive. It costs too much. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Especially it, it, co- compared to compared to the fact that you can you can pick up a roll of 36 exposure 35 yeah. millimeter for yeah. I don't know, under $13? Yeah. And if it was cheaper, and when I say cheaper, I mean like, you know, 5 or $10 cheaper, people would shoot a lot more. And that's the philosophy of our whole project the last two years of bringing back movie film, double perf 16 or uh, double eight for regular eight cameras, which is got to get the cost down. Got to get the yeah. cost down. Got to get the cost down. And the film that, that, that Joseph um, shot, the Sonic film is by far one of the most affordable 16 millimeter films out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Sonic film it's a sound recording film not intended for um, shooting in a camera. And at the Film Photography Project, you can buy it on 16 millimeter or you could buy it 35 millimeter for your still camera. Um, uh, Joby, what were your thoughts on um, the look of that film? And by the way, that role you shot, no kidding, is the best looking role I've seen so far. The conditions were just right in a sense yes. that subjects need a lot of light on them. And you can tell when the horses were in the barn. Uh, in one shot, the barn was very dark. And then later on, you went back to the barn. And there was a lot more light behind the horses. And they popped very nicely. So what were your thoughts on... on and, and was this the first time you were shooting Sonic film? Yeah, it was the first, first and only role I've shot of Sonic. And, and I liked it. I liked the results quite a bit. When you said sound film, I'll go. What what could this possibly look like? I mean, but but the results are are really great. The um the, the gate on my A nine needs to be cleaned. <laughs> oh, that, yes. as you'll see, and it, it looks like yeah. something scratched the film a little bit. It's not but, a hair. There was like a thing. Oh yeah, uh, the the one of the last rolls I think from the other camera, the A 
the A12. It looked, it looked like, like a monster was growing from the edge and it just kept <laughs> coming. It kind of looked blue. like while you were loading, you were eating like a Hershey kiss and, kiss and you know that little piece no of crumbs. paper? No crumbs. That little pa- piece of paper that's in a Hershey kiss. It looks like you dropped into your gate. It, it was pretty spectacular. I think right over here was. one of the last rolls I sent you, your um, technician said the most epic hair and a gate that he had ever seen in his <laughs> life or something like that. Yes. And I mean, it cut out, you know, like if this is a screen, it was this far into the screen. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I've subsequently, you know, used an air compressor and blown them out. So I'm hoping, you know, future roles will not have that problem. And it's the Sonic film, what I really like about it, number one is that it has almost no grain. Mm, so it's super so. sharp. It's super clear. And it's orthochromatic film which if, you know, if somebody's out there trying, you know, they're watching old Chaplin films or Buster Keaton films and they're like, God, you know, I'd really love to do a short silent film in the style of the teens or the twenties. They were using, many of them were shooting orthochromatic film and it kind of gives you that look of film from that era, especially if you have somebody in makeup, which is because it's an orthochromatic film, they used to wear heavy makeup. Uh, and if you want to do a project like that, and I know a lot of people out there like to do it, um, it's the perfect film for that kind of look because uh, it just has that classic motion picture, you know, it, film look from you know the heydays before talkies. I think that's why I'm just drawn to the whole, you know, 16 millimeter film in general. It's 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 got more resolution than eight. You know, 35 mm-hmm. is way out of my price range in the weight everything that's the other reason i like these keystone cameras in this little filmo is that um the size is not so um you know hefty that i can't walk around with this all day and take pictures and or the, you know because i was looking at um i mean you have a bolex mic and, and things like that the, the size of those to me just kind of were a bit of a turnoff but then but then that day you had that you know that a12 i went wow that's a tiny little thing I could shoot with that. Yeah, you know? I love the and that that sound. I mean, the the sound these cameras make are just just so cool. I mean, the film of it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just the looks people give you. I mean, it's it's fun to just talk to people about what the heck you're doing, and just the results give me that that old timey look that people kind of are nostalgic for these days. Digital is so clean and clear and everything that to, to get to see little bits of grime and dirt and you know, the black yeah. and white, the orthochromatic look, you know, especially with skin tones and things, you know, it just gives such a, such a um, classic look that, that it's you know, very appealing. Yeah. And you can get sonic film as a black and white negative, which is 25 uh, ISO and as a reversal, which is 12 ISO. And if you're like me and you mostly project, I don't really shoot negative film at all. But when you project that sonic film on a big screen in 16 millimeter, we do it in the backyard all the time. It's like being at the movies. It's just the coolest thing ever. It really is. I think uh, I shot that roll at 25 for per negative because I don't, I don't think I'll ever have a projector. So yeah. I'm kind of a hybrid you know, shooter right. where I yeah. shoot the film and then get the scans. I know uh, that there's a huge, um, huge. audience for projection but you know much to uh owen's disappointment the fpp isn't it (laughs) (laughs) no i mean based upon i i see first of all thank you anyone uh, anyone out there listening to this or watching this that has used 
film photography project, develop scan services. I mean, this is, we're on a second year and uh, we jump started it um, for corporate reasons, you know, for corporate uh, libraries and content. Uh, and it made perfect sense to make these services available to consumers, to people who just want to shoot home movies. And the reaction has been overwhelming. And I'm so grateful and astonished, and I complain often to Owen, of just how much film is coming in. Mm -hmm. As Jerry Seinfeld would say, who was shooting this film? If you do buy film from the FPP and project it, leave a comment below about how you project it so we can get Mike on the bandwagon. <laughs> that, that's right. That's yeah, right. I, got, I, I had my finger on a button to get a 60 millimeter bill and howl projector they look like oh don't do it oh no, no. But so well it depends on the model 60 millimeter projectors that bell and howl made especially in the 1960s and into the 1970s have a chronic problem with the worm gear oh uh, it cracks and it has to be replaced and i can tell you from having to replace my own that it's just not worth it <laughs> Hmm. Um, if you're buying an older model, you know, if it doesn't have sound, you're buying an older model, you're probably okay. Um, but I would, yeah, I mean the, the best, in my opinion, the best project 60 millimeter projector, if you're interested in doing that to start off with, if you want sound, I would look for a Kodak pageant, look for one that's solid state, not, not one that has uh, vacuum tubes in it. Or, uh, you can look at the Kodoscope Royal, which is a great one. The Kodoscope Analyst, which is a great one. Um, yeah, I, but I would stay away from Bell and Howell sound 60 millimeter projectors that were made in the sixties and seventies for sure. And of course, Joby, once you buy a 16 millimeter projector, uh, it opens up a, an amazing world, uh, of going on eBay and seeing how many feature films, short subject sound films, TV episodes are available that, I mean, you could have your own drive in and you, you know, you seem to have the space up there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you can maybe put a big screen on the side of the barn or paint the barn white and maybe project, you know. Funny you mentioned that because the, the, the drive-in movie theater as a genre is coming back. It is. Of all mm -hmm. this COVID stuff. They've, the Winston-Salem has a huge fairgrounds for, for the fair they do every year and they've turned it into a giant movie theater. And it's just hugely successful. I mean, digital, you know, it's so temporary. It's, it's so, that's the other nice thing about shooting on film, you know, both still and um, projection, I mean, uh, moving pictures, is that I know it's going to be around. I know that, you know, in 20 years time, you could rescan it. Or, I mean, the, the film itself isn't going to degrade for, you know, what, 50, 100 years before you right. really, especially if it's kept in climate control storage and all that. So, you know, my relatives will be able to watch all these little silly movies that I've made and they'll be around as opposed to where a digital, you know, film on my phone is just going to, as soon as the phone breaks, dies, battery dies, you know, it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's, a, big, it's, a, it's a big topic of, of how much data is lost when people get new phones, if they don't get the data transferred, you know, are people losing memories because they're not just yeah, no managing doubt. their data? You know, right. it's, and it's not its own, printing anything. It's yeah. its own topic, really. So, 
Now, uh, Joby, do you own any uh, regular eight millimeter cameras? I do. I unfortunately don't have it right here. I have a Keystone, uh, what is it? K35, I think it is. Is it another cucumber? No, it's um, <laughs> it's it's a it's a rectangle. It's a oh, rectangle. Five. I got that just because it, it was the exact same color as my A9. You know that that this kind of light brown. Right. Mm-hmm. So so they were kind of um, partners in crime, like big brother, little brother, and it came with only one lens, which was kind of crappy. So I went on and, uh, eBay and I bought. This is the the secret about buying lenses for, for regular aid is you go out and you buy a turret camera for nothing, mm-hmm. especially ones that are magazine, eight meter, millimeter magazine that are basically useless these days. <gasps> I, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Am I, am, am I wrong? Can you, well, can you we're working me? on it. We're oh, sweet. On it. Okay. Well, I've still got the camera, but it, I, I bought a turret, uh, um, Keystone camera that had three lenses on it. You know, uh, um, wide a normal and a tele all pretty wide apertures and for 25 or 30 bucks i i convinced the person that was selling it that it was worthless <laughs> you know so they let me um make an offer and i bought it for less than they were asking and um and i use those lenses all the time so the, yeah the regular eight's been fun the hardest thing for me is that my fingertip you know getting my finger my fingers are just wide enough where i can't get my finger in and so those time those the regular eight um, spools being so small, trying to trying to fidget like this <laughs> mid roll out in the sun. I'm just going. Oh, how many feet am I killing? Trying to get this, you know, done. So I try to switch, flip the. I try to shoot half a roll outside, and then I'll go inside and flip it. In a, so you shot a roll in your K35? Oh yeah, I've shot three or four. Okay. Four. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I really enjoyed the results I got from it because you don't have to. You know, for, for being a large format photographer, I'm always thinking about depth of field. And I always forget that these things are so small that they have such a huge amount of depth of field yeah. that I could set. I mean, the, the, my, the eight millimeter doesn't even have focus. You just set the depth of field and it's based on, you know, feet away from you. And the 16 millimeter, I would always forget. I mean, with this, I have a, a Canon lens here and I was always going, trying to get the feet exactly right, you know, and then not realizing that if I stop down to F22, anything from two feet you know, to infinity <laughs> is, is in focus. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it for that because it's it my, the, the K35 is so small. It's, it literally is a pocket camera. It's, it's probably not as small as the ones you've been ever, you've been showing on your videos. Right. But um, I decided brand loyalty was going to be my, I was, okay. I was a collector <laughs> of Keystone. Fair enough. So, so I thought, well, I really enjoy my 16. So I'll try a, um, try a regular eight and it's been fun so i've had a good time with it and and it's so much less expensive to right. tinker around with too so someone's you know 16's a little too too expensive for someone the regular eight is such a great deal i mean it beats i think it's easily i mean it's, it's, the image quality seems better than super eight i don't know is that just because the cartridge as opposed to the gate you know the gate the film's going through is a tighter you know it's a it's, it's a Sam Sherman topic. Owen, what did Sam have to say? Do you recall? Sa- yeah, Sam Sherman, who everybody knows as being a, a prolific uh, cinematographer and uh, archivist and historian and a million other things. But he he does not shoot Super 8. He's never shot it um, because he feels that the soup the the problem with Super 8 is that the the pressure plate, which if you could call it that, 
is inside the cartridge. There's a little tin spring in there that keep, it's supposed to keep the film flat against the plane as it's going through the camera. And that's in the cartridge and sometimes it's not as reliable. So with most eight millimeter cameras, the, the, um, uh, the shutter gate is, or the film gate is built into the camera. Um, so you do tend to get a much flatter film plane, which is going to give you a more stable image. And, you know, that could definitely affect your image quality. All of the Super 8 cameras I have, the lens that comes with the camera, so you get lens. That's all you that's get. It. Yeah. Whereas with regular 8 or 16, you know, your, your, your D mount lens and your C mount lenses, you could just go on, go shopping on eBay on any given evening uh and buy some more lenses and uh like you joby i've always found that buying the lenses individually on ebay is much more expensive than finding some sad camera that comes with all of the lenses it's like a rear lens cap right <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that the the, the regular eight lenses i know everyone has a bunch of these you know caps for film caps around the regular eight lenses fit as a rear lens cap for this you can just plug them right in and they stick never thought so, of that so I what is it, it what is that it's Thanks. just the the black cap on a um 35 millimeter oh, canister never it knew that a, it has a little hole there and the hole is exactly the same size as the back of your regular eight lens so you just plug it in mike's gonna start selling those on a store for eight bucks a pop <laughs> um so we covered a few topics we saw an amazing uh 16 millimeter film that you shot. Congratulations. I thought it was awesome. Thank you. Uh, and um, I'd like to do this often. And uh, this is all predicated upon folks watching and listening of giving us feedback. Is this something you'd like to see more chitter chatter, geeky chat about, you know, home, home movie film cameras. Um, it's, it's a niche within a niche. It's certainly much smaller than, you know, when we're talking about film photography and still photography. Uh, I hate to think, and I don't want to isolate folks who are shooting stills because I see my little movie cameras as basically still cameras that are shooting 16 frames per second. <laughs> you could pull wonderful stills, especially from your 16 cameras and especially from the Sonic film because the grain is so fine. Um, but uh, I certainly would like to hear from everyone and you could uh, write us at a uh, podcast at film And uh, if I can't answer the question, I will forward it along to either Owen. Well, we'll come back uh, another time. Uh, so many things to talk about, like collecting vintage commercials on 16 millimeter uh, magazines. Like what is a, a eight millimeter or 16 millimeter magazine maybe we'll do a magazine show and of course i don't know maybe we can get sam sherman on the visuals that would be crazy it would, be, would crazy. be crazy and I, I, let's leave it on that for today because we could talk for hours right we could <laughs> yeah we could just we could make this a 24-hour podcast <laughs> but we would never run out of topics no nope. no nope. i used to joke um, my daughter does all these these Zoom things, and occasionally, like the people, you know, there's a list of people on the screen, and some people's picture will go black, and, <laughs> and we always assume that's because someone had to go use the bathroom. So yeah, like bathroom black. 
you know. Right. So yeah. I want I told my daughter to like go and take a picture with her phone, a picture of the toilet, and let that be the picture that comes up when she turns <laughs> the screen off. So it's really obvious what's going on. Well, folks, it's time to go. And uh, maybe maybe I'll do one of my famous dizzying exits. And that goes like this. <laughs> That's how you may feel after shooting movie film for the first time. But don't. You'll get used to it. So uh, write to us. Uh, leave comments below. Uh, ring that bell. <laughs> Subscribe. Hit that button. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>